Hello, and welcome back to On This Day in History, a Marion County Library System podcast. On this episode, we are welcoming back special guest Tammy Irwin, a victim advocate with the Marion County Sheriff's Department. If you missed Tammy's previous appearance on the podcast, please give episode three the first female sheriff a listen. Today, Tammy is here to tell us about May 15th. Thank you for joining us again, Tammy. Thank y'all for having me back. Thank you for coming. So May 15th is National uh, Peace Officer Memorial Day. It is the day in which we honor uh, those brave men and women who have sacrificed their life uh, in the line of duty for of law enforcement. Um, you know, we have Memorial Day at the end of the month for military service, but this is Peace Officer Memorial Day in, uh, in Marion County, especially in the last couple of years. Um, this means a lot to us. Um, just for federal reference, how many um, deaths have you had here in Marion County? So with the Marion County Sheriff's Office, so okay. this wouldn't include anything with Marion PD or Mullins PD or okay. Nichols. Um, Nichols have actually lost a chief, um, but we've had six. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah, it is. Um, and, you know, it's kind of one of those things when you start digging into history, you find a lot more. And um, Especially for such a small county. Yeah. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. So, yeah, 1915. So, we've been able to research that. And, um, and so, now we have six. Can you tell us a little bit about them? Sure. So, the first one um, in 1915, it's, it's actually quite interesting. And I had to do some digging on that because he, uh, his name was Hosea Elwell Cook, Jr., and he was not um, a sheriff's deputy. So my question, of course, was, well, how in the world did he get onto the Hall of Fame up in Columbia for law enforcement? And come to find out what it was, was back in those days, and still in some areas in the country now, um, because there were so few people um, in law enforcement, the sheriffs had to call out a posse, which was Anglo-Saxon England in the 1700s. And basically it's when, it's kind of like an all-call. You know, mm-hmm. calling out the militia. All right, boys, we got this manhunt going. I need everybody to grab your gun and come on. Okay. So Cook, a well-known builder in Marion, and uh, the sheriff and had gotten word that there was a robbery at a store down in Yolonia. And uh, where is Yolonia? It's down, uh, going toward the southern end of the county, okay. um, past T-Mart. It's on okay. down there. There's a Yolonia Road. Okay. Um, but anyway, heard that the store had been robbed and. So the sheriff and George A. Davis, who we'll talk about in a little bit, uh, got in the car and were heading down that way when they met a man walking. And he had several bundles. And if you've ever paid attention to TV in stores back in those days, they bundled things and tied them with string. Well, he had bundles of shirts and a shotgun. And so when the sheriff pulled over and he said, hey, are you that guy? You the guy that robbed the store? And the guy drops the bundles of shirts and fires the shotgun into the sheriff's car. It missed the sheriff, but it passed so close to the sheriff, he had powder burns on his face. Well, sheriff goes back to town, and the guy takes off. Sheriff goes back to town and says, I need the posse, y'all, come on. Cook grabs his gun, and he goes and kind of stages out near Catfish Creek. Okay. Several hours later, this subject goes uh, approaches him. Well, he didn't think, Cook didn't think he was armed. So he allowed the man to approach closely, and when the guy got about three feet away, he opened fire with a shotgun and shot him in the chest and oh, killed him. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 
Did they catch him? To my knowledge, they never caught him. I don't even know that he was ever identified. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, um, but, you know, the history of posses is really interesting uh, because up until, I think, Sheriff Bud Richardson even had some designated posse members. Um, now we would call them reserves. They changed the law, you know, several years ago that said, you know, you can't just go around handing out badges to people. These people have to be trained and held accountable legally for anything they may do. And, um, Colorado still has 17 counties, uh, out there that has legal posses that, you know, if there's a big manhunt, they call out that group of mm-hmm. citizens who are armed. Um, one one famous posse was when Ted Bundy escaped uh, jail in 1977, and the posse is who caught him. You're kidding. Okay. Uh, you know what? You don't hear a lot about that in all the documentaries of Ted Bundy. That's not a, a you well-known don't. fact. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, it's one of those things, um, and it's interesting, uh, but you kind of have to, you, you know, you think about today's times, and you can't just go around handing yeah. people badges and guns. Um, was, was the gentleman... Um, that, that was um, killed. Was he alone? How, how long? He was. So, you know. I mean, you know, there wasn't a double. He didn't have a designated partner. Out. He was kind of stationed out on Catfish Creek. He saw this guy come out of the wood line. Again, thought he was unarmed. So he's like, you know what? We'll talk. I'll get him to turn himself in. Blah, blah, blah. But it just didn't work out. But he was alone. Yeah. So then, that, okay. So in that story I told you, um, in the car with. Uh, Sheriff Dozier, J.M. Dozier at that time, was a rural policeman by the name of George A. Davis. Well, three years later, George Davis was killed in the line of duty. Oh, wow. It is very odd. You'll see a lot of, um, I don't want to call piggyback, but clusters. yeah, you'll see. So George Davis was in the car with Sheriff Dozier when that subject shot at them. But back in uh, September 2nd, 1918, George A. Davis was a rural policeman, which is what we call deputy now. Um, He was 48. He had uh, served, and rural policeman George Davis went to the home of John Page deep in the River Swamp to serve a warrant for illegal trapping. Mm -hmm. And as the sheriff and Davis approached, uh, the man whose name was John Page grabbed his shotgun and barricaded himself inside the home as... uh, Rural policeman Davis went around to the back of the home. Uh, John Page shot out the window and killed uh, Davis instantly. Oh, goodness. So that led, again, to a posse. Called the posse. The sheriff called the posse. One of the things I find disturbing about the story, and I know he didn't have a a, a choice, but the sheriff actually just had to leave Davis's body on the ground. It was just the two of them. So he had to haul tail back to the town and gather the posse um this manhunt went on for several days and there are rumors that john page while he was on the lamb killed three other people um including i think there's any record of that whatsoever it's just um, more of a rumor um, and i have found one article that said that page was eventually killed by the posse it ended in florence county didn't it i think so i think you're right um i know you helped me find a lot of that but there were several just discrepancies, so I really wasn't sure how it panned out. Mm-hmm. Um, because John Page was an African American, the records um, are not as precise as um, as it would have been for a white person in 1918. Mm-hmm. All right, so those are those are the first two in 1915 and 1918. 
And then in August, on August 9th, 1935, Edward Clark Gasly, who was our sheriff at the time, which we've talked about because Absolutely. we did uh, Mosh, Sheriff Ma Gasly uh, back in March for Women's History Month. But uh, Sheriff Gasly was 43 years old. He had served several terms as coroner before he was elected sheriff just nine months prior to his death. He was responding to a call for help from a deputy sheriff by Salon, named Salon B. Lewis. And who was over in the Mullins area? He needed help. He called Gasly. Gasly got in the car with another young man. Uh, and they were traveling, made contact with the truck. The sheriff's car flipped um, and he was killed fairly instantly. Um, ironically, like I spoke earlier about these things, these people piggybacking. The one of the line of another line of duty death that we I don't have here because it's not ours. It's Chief of Police Salambi Lewis died in the line of duty as police chief in Nichols several years after that. So there's it's, it feels like there's it's, two and then you go around. Yeah. Sorry, no, go around. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I'm when you think I mean I just I know this is an aside, but there had to be more. The first death was nineteen fifteen mm-hmm. and we've actually been a city since seventeen hundreds. We probably just didn't keep records or You know, it it could be. Yeah. And um I think as we grow with technology and digitalizing our records, um, I feel like we'll get we'll get better, and I feel like we'll be able to research and track some of this stuff down. Because I mean, even in the last probably three years, I can tell that it's gotten easier. Um, just like with newspapers dot com and ancestry, and it's much and findagrave dot com. It's much easier absolutely. to find these things than they were say five or ten years ago. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Newspapers.com is amazing. It really is. It is. It's crazy. Yes. Um, and it's so, in our area, so many of these things that I've researched, I've found more um, about Marian happenings in newspapers in Greenwood and Manning, more than anywhere else in the state. I mean, we found something in what, Pattison, Paddington, or Paddington, New Jersey, yeah. about Mullins. Really? Oh, yes, yes. <clears throat> So it's amazing. You're like, what would you want to know around about Mullins, you know, in New Jersey? But okay. that's what makes the news. <laughs> so fast forward about 50 years. Uh, we had a, a break there. Um, and May 2nd, we just um, honored this anniversary. May 2nd, 1987, Donald Ray Hayes uh, was the deputy for Marion County Sheriff's Office. He was only 41 years old. He had served in law enforcement uh, for 16 years. Um, had only been married about eight months had a, a son who was a senior in high school from a previous marriage. And he, along with two other deputies, uh, responded to a domestic disturbance in the St. Mary's community, which is in Rains. And uh, upon confrontation, the suspect barricaded himself inside the home and shot Deputy Hayes through a window. Um, the details are almost identical to the way George A. Davis was killed in 1918. It's quite eerie. Um, and uh, Deputy Hayes... They were able to keep him alive until the next morning. So his family, his son, and his wife were able to see him. Um, and one, he died the next morning. That's the one you told me about. Yeah. That. Yeah, we um we had talked about this earlier in that you know, I've spoken with his wife a, a good bit and his son. I just, being new to the sheriff's office, four years new, um, but new to trying to track down all this history of our deputies. It means the world to me, but I wanted to get a sense of who he was. And so um, his his widow and son were very generous with their time and, and talking to me, but 
his widow, Miss Marilyn, told me that she said, I know that he knew he was going to die. And she said about two weeks prior to this incident, he had um, come home. She was working at a store. And so after she came home and she said, Don Ray, I noticed that when I listened to you on the scanner, um, there's somebody riding with you now. She said, you've always kind of been a loner. I, I don't, what's going on? And she said, he broke down and cried and said, I'm scared. He said, I just have this feeling and I'm scared. And she said he was so emotional about it. And he said, they say when you get scared, you need to get out of it. But he wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's just the heart of a law enforcement officer. And so uh, for, I fast forward about two weeks. And this was a Saturday. And uh, Miss Marilyn was going to leave the store early. Her and Donald Ray were going to have a date. They were going to cook steaks. That was one of their favorite things to do. They were going to cook steaks. And um, just, you know how when you're married, you just have to make make a date so that you can both be home um, when you're both work hard. And, um, she said Donald Ray never called her at work. And he called her three different times that day. And finally, the last time she said, Donald Ray, you were, I'm trying to get out of here to get home so we can have our steak. Now, why are you? Why are you calling me? And he said, I just, I just want to hear your voice man. And he went out on the call. And uh, the next call she got was from uh, dispatcher Terry Davis. And, uh, and he had been shot. Um, was the, did, did Marilyn, uh, did she work in Marion too? She did. Uh, she may have. But yeah. one of the things Donald Ray wanted, Donald Ray was determined they were going to have a store and the store was in Florence. Okay. And so um, there was a time where Donald Ray actually turned in a two week notice to the sheriff's office. He and Marilyn were going to run this store. Well, that didn't last long at all. Uh, the sheriff was in need of some help and he called me and said, Donald Ray, I sure could use you. Mm-hmm. And of course he went right back to the sheriff's office store on her own. So, okay. Okay. So yeah. that was their store that she needed. It was. And That's was- exactly right. Amazing. I'm so thankful that they actually gave you a little bit of the inside of the life of, of the deputy because it kind of brings it alive. That he, yeah. yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the reasons that this project, so to speak, is so important to me. And I tell people that all the time. We talk about how they died and we talk about statistics on the news every night about this, you know, this officer was shot or this officer was killed in a car accident. But it's, for me, it's not about how they died. It's the fact that they lived, that these were people's sons and husbands and daddies and brothers. And um, I don't ever want them to be forgotten. And so that's why it's so important to me. With Donald Ray, um, his really is the only one that, not closure, but Bobby Lee Cross um, was the man who shot and killed Donald and after I think three days, there was a manhunt. Sled came in. There were uh, it was a, a big manhunt. But he finally walked. Uh, Bobby Lee walked up to a man that he used to work for, who had retired from uh, DOT, I think. And uh, the, he took him into the jail. He drove him into town to the jail, and he turned himself in. Uh, three months later, and this was May 1987 in August. Is that right? The math. Yes. <laughs> Five months later, um, 
Nope, I was right. Three months. Anyway, three months later, um, he was convicted. Bobby Lee Cross was convicted was of fast. murder. That was super fast because now we're talking. It takes years. three, four years. Yeah. And uh, was convicted of murder and sentenced to life in prison. He did come up for uh, parole, I think, a year or two ago. Uh, sheriff, our current sheriff, Sheriff Wallace, escorted the family and uh, one of the deputies that was on the scene with Donald Ray that day, uh, Greg Walker, who many people are familiar with. Greg served with Marion PD as well as Sheriff's Office. Um, they all went to Columbia for the parole hearing. He was denied, and he'll come back up again, I think, next year. Paroles are back to back pretty quick. Um, sometimes they are, and I'll be honest, I don't, I don't know that system very okay. well at all, okay. but, um, uh, you know, spoken to the family and it's important to them to be there for those hearings too that's she said that was you know that was may 3rd 1987 the day donald ray died and she says she hasn't really slept with her night since i bet not and all the little clues have come knowing about it and yet the overwhelming sense of duty to continue even though yeah you know he knew he was gonna die she said he knew but he kept going to work he kept doing his job yes I think what impressed me most mm -hmm. with the story or impressed upon me most that he just kept going. You know, it was his duty. Um, <clears throat> so that was May 1987. And again, we just kind of honored him. And uh, yes, I saw the Facebook post. Yeah. I had never seen a picture of him until that. Yes. I, and I will tell you, when we posted that, you never really know how people are going to react. No, especially in today's climate where, um, you know, there's a lot of anti law enforcement sentiment. But so many people commented, I remember that day. Mm -hmm. I remember Donald Ray. I remember, I remember, I remember. And so I felt like, in a way, it gave those people a voice. Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, because we, we honor uh, law enforcement as a lot bigger and better uh, now yeah. than we did in 1987. And um, so I was glad that it it gave Don Ray a voice, you know, for a day, if nothing else, that, um, you know, his son was able to get on there and talk back and forth with some of these folks who had worked with Don Ray or just uh, knew him in some form or fashion. And my father died when I was young, so I know how much it means to uh, to have people that knew your, your father and say, what a say person yes, he exactly. Yes, exactly. Yes, that's what she said. So we fast forward December 17th, uh, 2019. Uh, Deputy Michael Ratu um, had been uh, with the sheriff's office. He was one month shy of his five-year anniversary with us. He had been a dispatcher for 911 before. Uh, Mike was working the split shift, which is 1 p.m. to 1 a.m. And this was right before he should have been going home. But another deputy was on a call and um, was on the radio, kind of out of breath. He said, I'm okay, but, you know, I was chasing this guy. And, well, if you knew Mike, Mike was coming. Um, didn't matter if you said you were okay, Mike was coming, um, because something was wrong. And, um, Mike, uh, and two other deputies pulled out from the Sunoco gas station there on 76 and, um, it had just begun to rain and he spun out under the overpass at 76 and 501, um, and hit one of the concrete pillars. Uh, deputies were right there. They actually saw his lights in their rear view mirror when he, when his vehicle spun. Uh, they busted the window, cut the seatbelt, got him out. One of our deputies is actually the one who drove the ambulance trying to get him to the helicopter, but he was just um, too unstable to fly. And um, he 
died just a short time later at the Marion County ER. Um, those nurses, you know, I would be willing to tell you that that ER staff has had as hard a time dealing with his death as as we have. Um, and it was just such a shock to our system in that I guess we had gone for a long time. Most of the people at Sheriff's Office now weren't there when Donald Ray was killed. So this was, um, well, I mean, it, it, it just rocked us. Um, it just absolutely rocked us to our core. Um, three weeks later, Jackson Winkler was killed at Florence Airport. And Jackson working in Latta as well. And um, it was a double whammy for certain those, those first few weeks. Um, but Mike was divorced, did not have any children. But um, had a crazy mustache and a funny sense of humor, very dry sense of humor. And, um, we we really miss him. I I don't I don't say that just to to sound nice. We really do miss him. Uh, so thirteen months later, David Price, uh, age twenty nine, had been with us about six months. He had served for about three years uh, prior in Dillon for Dillon Police Department was known for writing speeding tickets in Dillon over there. <laughs> Very well known for his speeding tickets. And um, he'd been with us six months. He was working the split shift. You know, I've, I've told him, please get rid of split shift. It's it's bad juju. Yes. Um, but this was, uh, I think, 10, about 10, 15 at night. And they had been, the deputies had been called to a home for someone uh, that was not supposed to be there. And uh, one of the deputies gets on the radio and he says, hey, you pulled in behind me. Did you see this truck? And uh, Price said, yeah, I think I did meet him. He said, how about I go back and see if you can find that truck? She's that maiden guy, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, he, as David was pulling out, he was hit by a drunk driver going approximately 93 miles an hour. Um, both died um, in the crash. Uh, David had been married since, uh, had been married several years and had three kids under the age of five who we adore. Um We've kind of tried to adopt them in. They just, it's just a loss. Uh, He has five brothers, one sister and four brothers. Just a fantastic family. His dad's been at Gideon since 1980. His mom taught school. Yeah, all of his brothers played football uh, on the collegiate level. It's just, um, so it's been hard. You know, David. David was awesome. He was super quiet, super quiet, Yeah. but wanted to be a really good officer. He always carried around this big jug of water. He didn't eat fast. You know, he didn't go out and eat fast food with the boys. And, um, he wanted to be in good shape. He wanted to be the best deputy he could so he could back up his guys. Um, I saw a lot of pictures of him with Cage and stuff like that, and apparently he was not a not a big dog person. Um, well, he didn't. When he first started, he he just didn't know how to take Cage. Yes, because Cage kind of guards the employee door, and that's where he lays. And you know, and most of the guys know when they come in, you pet him or at least acknowledge his presence, <laughs> and he'll he'll move out the way, and um, you can go and block David. He would actually move his body sideways because David would not acknowledge him. Mm-hmm. And so finally, about the fifth time this happened, because I'm getting cracked up watching it. You know, yes. Like, mm-hmm. um, new guy, you know, this yeah. is your trial by fire. Yeah. And uh, I finally told him one day, I said, David, I said, you know, if you would just, you don't have to pet him. You don't have to like him. 
but you he needs you to acknowledge him in some way shape or form mm -hmm. and he said hmm, okay so um, a little bit later that day cage went into the deputy office uh, mm -hmm. where he was doing a report and i heard him say i heard him kind of pat his collar and say good pup, good pup. and after that when he'd come in he'd give cage a pat good pup and cage would get out of his way they had an understanding after that <laughs> I think Cage has made such a difference with Heatherly at the Sheriff's Office, don't you think? You know, I it's easy for me to say that, um, but I see, you know, I, especially with after the after these two um, two two deaths, and um, the same guys were working both nights. The same dispatcher took both calls of Mike's um, Mike's death as well as David's. Um, uh, I can't tell you what that has done to her. Um, and, and the guys too, but one in particular um, I know was having a really hard time, and he's quiet, and um, so he's you just you just know. And um, he he has dogs of his own, but he and Cage weren't you know oh my gosh I got to talk to the dog like some of the guys are. But he sat in hall one day, and Cage just kept on kept on kept on, and I'm like Cage leave him alone. Good grief, you know give the man a break. And finally, the guy relented, and Cage jumped up on him and put his paws on top of his shoulders and gave him what we call a doggy hug that lasted 20 minutes. And I, I know that Cage knew that he needed it. And, um, you know, I, I have dozens of stories like that where, um, and it's really interesting, and I'm so blessed that I get to watch Cage because I know, you know, I know, I know what he's doing. I know when he doesn't pay you any attention that you're good. Yeah, you're good. You're good. <laughs> um, but if he hounds you and he's following you down the hall and he's trying to go to the bathroom with you and he will not relent. Yeah. And then the, and nine times out of ten, the person will sit down and go, I guess you knew I needed that. So he has been a huge a huge asset for us in all this time. I mean, sometimes you just need to take a breath. Mm -hmm. And he's been good for that. Um, just a real quick, I know that it was probably headed by you, but I don't really know all the details. What I've noticed over the last couple of years you have been doing in the sheriff's office has been doing stuff to recognize, like they just had the second annual. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about that, please? When I was in high school, um, a good friend of mine was killed, and I still have the letter where his mom wrote me a note, and she said, please don't forget him, and that has never left me, and so I feel I've taken it on as my personal duty to make sure that not only Mike and David, who have been killed since I've been there, but all, but all six of these men. Um, that they're not forgotten, you know, just because it happened many years ago does not lessen the sacrifice that they made. Um, you know, almost all of them, I think, except for um, Mike, were married with children, were small children, especially back in 1915, 1918. As a widow, you were just going to starve. Mm -hmm. um, um, I do find that the community stands behind us in this, and they want to help us remember these officers. And so uh, the very first year, we have several deputies that have motorcycles, um, and we were contacted by one of the uh, motorcycle clubs in the county and said, hey, we want to have a ride. And uh, so we did that first one, March 7th, uh, 2020. 
Um, we didn't know at that time that was going to be our last <laughs> event for the year, thanks to COVID. But that ride did us a world of good. It really did. Those of us who rode, and um, it was just a great time to honor Mike and get the wind in our hair and, and breathe for the first time in three months. So we knew when uh, after David got killed that we needed we needed to get back out there and let's have another ride. And and we did. And it's amazing. You know, motorcycles, all colors, creeds, ethnicities, um, socioeconomic backgrounds. That's what I love about motorcycles. I don't have one of my own, but it just bridges every gap that there is, male, female. Um, yes. We had folks from all over, from Dalzell, from Chester, um, South Carolina, all over the state, people came and rode. And we even had people send in some donations from across the country. Um, we were raising money to get the kids a swing set. So. Um, and we were able, we did meet our goal. Of course, now lumber's gone through the roof and the swing sets are non-existent. But <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll get there. Oh, goodness. We I didn't able, think about that. Yeah, yes. we were able to yes. raise the money and, and honor David at the same time. Uh, and coming up, um, I know this won't air until afterwards, but uh, next Friday we're going to have our first ever memorial service at our new building um, out by the pond. And we will honor all six of these men. And their sacrifice. Next Friday. Yeah. 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 10 a.m. Yeah, that's what it's going to air. And it's a day early. Well, um, May 14th. It's coming from Illinois. And, uh, so, Michael, uh, Donald Ray Hayes' son, Michael, is going to speak about his dad. And um, I hope that it'll be very therapeutic for everyone involved. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Officer um, Price's family, they were. From Dylan? Yep, they're so from they're, Dylan. So they're they're right there. there. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming and telling us about this very, very, very important time in our history. And just thank you for all that you do. Nobody would probably know about all this if it wasn't for you. Um, it's like you're the public information officer and Cage's handler. But thank you for coming. Thank you for uh, bringing awareness. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you again for joining us for this episode of On This Day in History. And special thank you to guest Tammy Irwin. Until next time.